Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Patricia Corey, and we'll be talking about her work, as well as her new book, Hacking the God Code, The Conspiracy to Steal the Human Soul. Civilization is careening in a dystopian, transhumanist rewrite of global society and the future of humanity, penned by a tyrannical New World Order, The Great Reset. With the onset of COVID-19 and all that has played out since early 2020, Big Pharma and High Tech have seized our lives in the most evil of ways. They do not intend to let go until their nightmare agenda to merge human beings with artificial intelligence, Human 2.0, has revolutionized everything about our lives, enslaved us, and possessed our world. It isn't a theory anymore. It's a global conspiracy. Patricia Corey is an internationally acclaimed author, public speaker, and thought leader with 13 published, uh, excuse me, 13 published works in more than 22 foreign language, foreign editions. The former host of the popular BBS radio show, Beyond the Matrix. Her previous books include The Cosmos of Soul, Atlantis Rising, No More Secrets, No More Lies, and The Emissary. For more information, you can visit her website, which is www.patriciacorey.com. That's patriciacorey.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Patricia to the show. Good day, Patricia. Good day, Robert. Thank you for having me on your program. It is my pleasure. And, boy, all of the topics that you talk about in your book, even even up to the election last night or uh, two nights ago, I mean, is, is really um, prescient. So I'm really um, glad to, to have our conversation. So, uh, now, this is the first time you've been on my show, and, and I thank you for that and hope to have you back again sometime. But if you wouldn't mind, would you share with our listeners a little bit um, about your journey and and your work with uh, the Syrian High Council. Well, okay, it's a long journey. Uh, <laughs> uh, as a child, I was very open and very, very psychic, and my mother never suppressed that in me, so I grew up with um, that faculty open, and I have all of my life been a clairvoyant and uh, quite, I want to say, I hate to use the word gifted, but actually quite gifted with Mm -hmm. clairvoyance and other faculties. And as I said, my mother, like most children, get it suppressed in them, but my mother didn't, so I was uh, gifted in that way. And throughout my childhood, I had incredible experiences with um, otherworldly beings, with uh, contact, I'd say I was a contactee, and just, you know, a a wonderful, open ability to perceive other realms. I used to always say I was walking between the worlds. But the Mm -hmm. big thing that really broke me through was um, later in my life in um, 1996, I went into my first crop circle in England, and I had an immense out-of-body journey, which I describe in my earlier books, where I was catapulted into a galactic experience, an astral, it's so much bigger than an astral journey, but let's call it an astral journey, where I connected with these beings, this consciousness of a six-dimensional group called the Syrian High Council, and they took me on a journey through the universe and told me a lot of things at that time, and when I came back into my body, careening back into my body, I soon after that started, developed, started channeling a series of books 
called the Syrian Revelation. And it was one after another, after another, after another, starting way back then in 1997-8. And to this day, I'm still writing. So it's been a, a really a, quite a journey of, of connecting with and scribing the wisdom of these beings whose concern is the welfare of the planet, the universe, of course, and particularly concerned for the human race. Yeah, wow. So the when you use the word Kareem, you know, back it was funny. Um, I just had a, a flash. There was one time um, when I was living in Las Vegas, I had a, one of my astro evening you know, kind of um, out-of-body things, and um, there was one time I literally kind of just slammed back into my body and threw my back completely the worst it's ever been threw it out completely and, and it was my my first thought was boy that was a rough landing you know and it was like you know and and you know and it was crazy because it was like that wasn't my typical kind of wouldn't have been my first thought you know kind of happened so i can certainly understand kareem back in um so I, I go ahead sorry I was saying, and I careened back into the crop circle. So my body, I was lying on the, in this, uh, in this circle, in this crop circle, uh, across the field from Stonehenge. And so when I came careening back in, it was such powerful energy that I was spinning. I, I felt like I was going to get really sick. I couldn't get back in. It was very, very intense experience. <laughs> Something I shall never forget. Yeah. So yeah, careening. <laughs> Word and I'm glad that you can relate to that. Oh, exactly, exactly. So now the Syrian High Council. This is is this this a group then associated with uh, the cluster Sirius? Yes, they're from. Well, the Syrian High Council tell us that Sirius A. There's three stars in the Sirius system. Sirius A is in the the present in, in the third dimension. Sirius B is mm -hmm. in the sixth dimension, and Sirius in the fourth. So it's a multi-dimensional star cluster. And the beings that I'm in touch with are from Sirius B or are resonating to the energy frequencies of Sirius B on the sixth dimension. Okay, wow. Um, yeah, I can, I can imagine the, your, uh, your surprise and your shock with, with that, that meeting and then um, describing afterwards. Now, th this has been quite a long period of time. Have the messages from them um, changed? Uh, how have they changed over the years that you've been, been working with them, or, or have they? Has their message been consistent? Their messages have been consistent, prophetic, and one thing that's really very exciting about their messages is that they um, materialize. So we've seen information that has come from the Syrians uh, come to pass in all these years because we're talking 20, almost 25 years now. So there's been a consistency, but more, more depth, more information as we evolve and as we become more capable of, in, of understanding the, uh, let's say, quantum universe, the mm -hmm. deep understanding of our place in the cosmic field of the quantum reality versus um, the ET fascination. Quite honestly, I'm not terribly interested in the ET question. I'm much more excited about the extra-dimensional beings and the, the knowledge that comes from the higher dimensions. So it's been such a great honor and gift to be able to be their scribe over all these years. As you can imagine. Yeah. Well, I can. Yes, I, I can. Can. Um, it's well, I can't. <laughs> I mean, my imagination kind of limited, but it, you know, it's. Um, it, I find it fascinating when you you can gather um, a different dimensional perspective. I mean, it, it's it's sometimes most difficult to you know you can shift one certain you know maybe fourth dimensional kind of perspective, you know. Um, but yet, yet when you're dealing with you know up to sixth dimension, um, that uh, that's just a whole new a whole new world, but just a whole new paradigm. Um, I think of, of being that um, 
I think it's going to take a while for people to to even understand, you know, our place in that. Yes, indeed. And let's not forget that 25 years ago, we were not as advanced as we are now because we are advancing, we are rising in consciousness. And, in fact, one of the themes in the Syrian material is that our sun is going through ascension. It's not just the earth, it's not just the individual, but it's actually our solar system is ascending into the fourth dimension. And they have experience of that because they've gone through ascension themselves. So um, we, are, we are told in the material, material that we're going to pass through the fourth dimension before we start reaching into the fifth and sixth, as a lot of people associate with right now, the fifth dimensional ascensional, ascension frequencies. But the series have always said, well, hold on a minute. Before you, you ascend to the fifth dimension, you're going to have to go through the fourth. And the fourth dimension <laughs> is not easy because this is where all the karma of all civilization on earth comes into play, comes into immediacy. So your individual karma and the global karma is what you'll be facing with as you clear the fourth dimension. And that's exactly what we're going through now. Yeah, there's, there's a, a whole lot of karma popping up for sure when you, I mean, and it seems that the, um, the awareness of, of it, of the, that kind of, um, influence, the energy influence has, um, as well as, uh, the awareness as well as the speed of, of recognition seems to be accelerating. Everything is accelerating. It's just intense. And even time, because the fourth dimension, according to the Syrians, is where time disappears. Our understanding of time disappears. And in fact, um, boy, oh boy, time is becoming such a slippery slope. Most people are recognizing that time is not what it was before. It's hard to get a handle around what it is. But we're noticing that there are less hours in the day. There's, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, it's June, and the next thing you know, it's December. It's like, wait a minute. It's, and I don't think yes. it's just because we're just, I think that there's a mutation of time and that we are now between the third and fourth dimension. Yeah. So with that recognition, and, and I agree. Completely. I mean, you know, I can't believe a couple of weeks till Thanksgiving, and you know, it seemed like you know the year just started. Um, with with that um, recognition, then does that um, then translate into a, a more speedy um, a, a ability to address problems in a more speedy manner, or you know, having you know solutions maybe? coming up in a quicker manner. I mean, does it, does it, uh, it seems like it might allow for just so much more to happen, you know, if, if you choose to make it happen, you know, in a shorter period of time. Yes, I agree completely. And one of the things that I think most people will agree on, let's say spiritually attuned people, is that we're manifesting karma so fast. It's not like you have to wait another lifetime to heal it. It's like in your face now. Sometimes it's 24 hours later, boom, your karmic knot or your karmic solution is right in your face. I I find this to be a very exciting phenomenon and that we are seeing, to see manifestation so fast. So I think that everything is accelerating so fast and that we're, you know, part of the reason why we're in such a conundrum emotionally at this moment on the planet is because things are accelerating to a point where sometimes we feel like we're losing our balance. And in many ways we are. And so it's our, our, let's say, assignment to hold the balance, to find the balance. And I think that's what a lot of people are working on right now. Keep the balance as while the polar opposites are just more and more vastly separate. It's like being in a centrifuge. Mm-hmm. Nope, yeah, yeah, very much. Now, um, in your new book, Hacking the God Code, The Conspiracy to Steal, to Steal the Human Soul, um, you've got a 
a lot of revelations in it. And, you know, and some of them, you know, are um, rather, you know, can be rather particularly uh, sensitive topics. Or, or maybe, I wouldn't say sensitive. They, they can be very, uh, people have opinions, very definite opinions on, on some, er, you know, areas. And, and there are areas that tend to have uh, conflict. You, you know, so um, what what drove you, you know, to take on, you know, such a, a, a really big kind of a project to, to deal with those? Well, that's a very good question. Sometimes I wonder myself. This is my gut speaking, and I'm addressing what I believe are the very, the most significant issues we're facing as a, as society or as a global civilization at this time. And that we're in an existential crisis as individuals, as societies, and as a race, as a species. And that is that, for starters, we are absolutely being driven into a transhumanist agenda by the powers that be, the, the World Economic Forum, the Bill Gates, the committee of people who are, are driving society, for whatever reason they have, which some will say are extremely evil, some will say, some of people have actually said it's really altruistic that they want to, uh, <laughs> um, that there's a eugenics program, for example, openly talked about by, mm -hmm. example, by Bill Gates. And that it's altruistic because they want to save the planet. And so, you know, when you ask me that question about a sensitive subject with people who have opinions, yes, people are very divided on a lot of issues that we're confronting right now. And I felt that I had to override the concern that I could upset some people who didn't feel harmonious with my point of view and say it mm -hmm. anyway because it comes so paranoid, so oppressed by correctness that we're losing our ability to really communicate without being either hysterical and, and fighting or silent because we don't want to to, uh, to rustle anybody's feathers. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to speak from my heart of gut, and I'm going to address what I believe are the most urgent and dangerous issues that we're facing and how they relate to our evolution and the opportunity that they provide us to evolve. So while there's some very difficult subjects to discuss and bring forward, my concern and my hope is to empower people to be able to look at them and say, how is this crisis helping me evolve and ascend? Mm -hmm. When you say um, the driven to that that, that uh, transhumanist agenda, can you explain to the listeners what you mean by transhumanist? Yes. So Klaus Schwab and uh, his team of the uh, of, let's call them leaders in the World Economic Forum have at the fulcrum of their policy the idea that they want to merge our physical, the human being, physically, mentally, and digitally into a new form of human being that they actually call human being Homo sapiens 2.0. And if you haven't heard it, their representative, Yuval Harari, made a speech in the World Economic Forum Conference Center where he was openly discussing the move toward merging the human being into a, a, a technologically connected life form that isn't the old biology anymore. And so he uses the terminology human 1.0 and human 2.0. Mm -hmm. And his famous quote is, human beings are hackable animals, and we have the technology now to improve upon the biological human being, and I don't want to be improved upon. Thank you very much. I love being a human being, a biological <laughs> creation of the God-like, 
and uh, I don't think that a few people at the top should be determining the future of our species by intervening in, in the essence, the core essence, which I believe is the um, blueprint, the DNA, the divine blueprint of all organic life. So this is one of the themes of the book, and hence the title. Yeah. Yeah, so when we're, when we're talking about, you know, the, um, the God code and, and DNA, so can you, um, can you kind of let, uh, explain to us what the, the idea of hacking the code would be? I mean, you, you mentioned some of the things kind of, you know, the, that AI, that kind of uh, technical, um, inclusion, you know, in, in the human experience. Um, can, can you tell us about how, um, you know, how that, how that looks? I mean, you have the idea of hacking. Let me, let me back up a little bit. The, with the introduction of, um, humans to technology, to, to that human 2.0, um, is it your, I don't want to use the word. Is it your um, yeah? Is it your fear that possibly that um, new version is going to take away from the take away like the free will, so to speak, from the human experience? Is it, I mean, is it how is it um, detrimental to the human experience? Well, for starters, this man, Mr. Harari, said that, you know, this human 1.0, this fantasy about God and immortality, you know, we need to let that go. And so he was basically saying that we human beings who believe in God, immortality, eternity, the soul, he actually mentioned, uh, that's outdated now because they can hook us up to computer central, and we can receive information that will enhance our thinking processes that will be hooked up to AI, and that can uh, alter the human experience to being one of uh, a contributor to the board, if you will, or the, uh, the uh, I call it computer central, and however, mm -hmm. at the same time, we're hooked up to a computer the implications are very frightening because it's not only about them being able to they, they talk about implants so that they can read the heartbeat and you can have your, your medical uh, information read by a distant remote doctor and all of this nonsense and the point here is actually I, I kind of like being a biological human thank you very much I do believe uh -huh. in the soul I do believe in God and I'm not about to relinquish that sovereign knowing, that spiritual aspect of being a human being, because there's a way to download all the languages ever spoken on the planet with one little push of a button with a computer. So yeah. when you asked me at the beginning of the question, can you explain what you mean by hacking? They... They have now these people that are planning this uh, transition from human 1.0 to, and this is not conspiracy theory. They're openly talking about this process of human beings being hooked up with what they call the Internet of Bodies. This exists already. I believe that what they're mm -hmm. talking about as far as humans is that they they can now go into the DNA. I mean, what's going on in genetics laboratories is unbelievable. So they can yeah. go into the DNA. There's a, a device or a methodology called CRISPR, which is relatively new, and they're able with this tool to go in, splice the DNA wherever they want to. They, they say mm -hmm. that they want to go splice out a genetic code that has, for example, a deficiency that causes an illness in someone, and then repair it or splice it with different information, which is what they do when they make hybrids and chimeras, etc. 
And so they are openly talking about hacking the human being, and they're hacking the DNA. And I think that that has something to do with the with what's going into people right now in the injection program. And that is surely a very dangerous, slippery slope conversation to have. But I think that that is an important one to have. Yeah. Well, you know, I can understand the um, whenever there is a system set up for um, with the idea of improving one's life, that there can always be um, misuse. I mean, there can an abuse of, of a system too, as, as well. So, I mean, it's you know, I can understand that. Um, you know, the the forward. You know, promoting. I'm here to help you. You know, versus the you know the back end, possibly. You know, of, um, but I'm really kind of you know taking some of your your power away from you. Um, now, when they're saying when they're saying that there's no need for this idea of the soul or immortality of of God, it's not a possibility that it's a back end negative use. If they want to take away the soul of the human being, mm-hmm. I don't see any benefit in that whatsoever. Yeah. So do you? I mean, I under you know, I understand they can they can say that, you know. But do you feel that um, the that trans um, human um, humanist um, view? Can can that exist and still have that belief of the soul? You know, I mean, because, uh, you know, I, I can understand them trying to throw out, you know, the idea of, of you know, there's no God and no soul in, in an effort to support, you know, a, a kind of a transhumanist approach. Um, but my my personal feeling is just that is that even if they went through and did some of that connection, that you know, I don't, I don't, my feeling is that a soul would still exist, you know, and, and God, soul, energy, whatever that is, whatever all that is, you know, exists, um, that it's still going to exist, but that it is a, um, it's a, a you know, I, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is, or, or am I reading that wrong? That's a wonderful. It's a a beautiful question. What I I don't know if there is an absolute response to that question, but what I do think is that the wonder of being human, Mm -hmm. maybe what we have over the animal, uh, I don't know because I think dolphins and whales, for example, are pretty extraordinary as spiritual beings. But what we appear to have over them is that we are capable of contemplating our creator, right? Mm-hmm. And we can call that God or whatever, but we are, and even the, the atheist in declaring I don't believe in anything is still contemplating the question of, okay, well then what is, you know, how, how where do I come from? Right. So if there is an implanted system in the human being whose intent as brought forward by these people like Schwab and Harari is that the human being is in a fallacy mode believing in a creator, believing in a God, believing in a soul, etc. Then it would stand to reason that their intention is to override that perception, that self-awareness, the commands that come out of a computer. Or yeah. with what let's call it logic or uh, data that overrides that, so that the person would become more obedient to the master overriding system, which would be the computer or artificial intelligence. So that's a very profound question. I'm not sure we have an answer yet, because yeah. this is shocking evolutionary turn. For our species, I believe for the first time in, in the 
in civilization, our species is looking at being transformed from a biological uh, species to a semi-biological species. That is what they're telling us they plan to do. And mm. since they so detest the idea of a soul and God and immortality, I would imagine that that one of their mandates would be to try to beat that out of us. But in answer to your question, I, I know around around the way here, I believe that the soul is immortal, eternal. But I don't know what that would mean if it, if, if the biological unit that is the human being was overwritten by a computer. It's a very very slippery slope, as I said earlier. Certainly a big big question. It's one that I don't want to confront personally. I will not take part in this experiment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, and people are very, you know, strong in their beliefs of not wanting to participate in that. You know, as well as there, there are some, you know, of course, that, that are part of, part of the plan. You know, feel that that's the way to go. Um, now, we're going to... They can't wait. I mean, there are people there that are having themselves injected with RFID chips, and they just be mm. so cool that they wave their arm over the Coke machine and not have to pay. So, you know, it's another area of division. It's, a lot of people are more than happy to, to take that leap. But I think that the spiritually attuned person is not going to participate in that experiment because we, we know that we're immortal beings, and most of us, know that we're spiritual beings and that we are correct, connected to source. And that's yeah. all I need to know. Yeah. You know, in, in, you know, in that spiritual recognition of connection, you know, I mean, in, in a way we are all a part of that um, consciousness, you know, that cosmic consciousness in a way, you know, that maybe we're, some people are, you know, have a better um, communication path, you know, to, you know, to that. Um, but whether there is um, a strong connection to it or not, um, we're still all part of it in in uh, contributing, whether we, you know, are conscious of that or not. So I mean, it's it's kind of like you know we're living that, but in but not in a technical, um, you know, physical kind of manner. That it, but a, but in a whole different manner. But but it's all still connected. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I am someone who seeks the the positive in the negative. So I ask myself. Mm -hmm. Is this evolutionary divergence of the evolution mm -hmm. of human kind a, an opportunity or a test for us to really test our connection to source and our sovereignty to, to, to recognize who we really are and to be in love with who we are rather than wanting to be improved upon like a new bottle of mm -hmm. detergent? you know, yeah. uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence or anything yeah. that would want to interfere with our evolution. I, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, the ultimate weapon is not nuclear, it's not scalar, it's not weather manipulation, it's DNA manipulation. And he said, what do you mean? I said, if you can alter the DNA of a species, you permanently change its evolution. So in other words, you nuke a bomb like let's 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 not Hiroshima and then a few decades later everything's back. But if you mutate the DNA, it never goes back. And so I believe that that is uh the ultimate weapon if you want to alter or affect the way of a civilization the evolution of the civilization, if you can go in there and hack the DNA, hmm, right. you perfectly yeah. mute the course of that civilization. 
And I think that that oh. is the uh, precipice that we are standing before at this time. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's once you alter it from that point forward, all future generations are affected by those particular changes. Um, Well, we are about halfway through the show, or just past halfway through the show already, Patricia. So I want to take just a quick break. Um, And then when we come back, you know, you mentioned about um, the precipice. And and in, in your book, you talk about feeling that we're on the precipice of World War III or feel also that um, we are currently living in Armageddon. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who agree with that. But I want to talk a little bit more about that right after the break, okay? Okay. Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, whiteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my special guest is Patricia Corey, and we're talking about her new book, Hacking the God Code, The Conspiracy to Steal the Human Soul. And again, you can find out more about this book, as well as the other books and blog and everything else that Patricia has to offer by visiting her website, which is www.patriciacorey.com. That's Patricia, C-O-R-I.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Patricia. I'm here. Okay, great, great. So, um, on a global, per, you know, view right at the moment, you know, you feel that we're kind of right in this Armageddon right now. So, can you tell us what your view, you know, of, of this particular level of conflict is, and, and is this something that uh, the Syrian High Council has a view of? Yes, from early on when I started channeling the, the council, they said, the new world order is upon you, and they delineated a lot of the things that we would be faced with, that we are now in full, full heat of what I believe is the great battle of darkness and light. And that has been a theme that's been in all the books. And here we are. And when I say we're in Armageddon, clear that humanity is at the precipice again, I'd like to use that word again, of of, of either, it, it, we cannot continue to go the way we're going. We're either going to fall or we're going to rise. Because what we're, we're feeling now is that we're in a constant perpetual pressure cooker from which there's no relief, right? Yeah. And oh, oh, sir. the battle of darkness and light is, is that. What are we going to choose? Are we going to fall? Because we're seeing biblical shifts in human consciousness on the dark side, on the low side. There's just, just violence. and oh, I don't need to list it all. It's destruction, right. poverty, drug abuse. It's just reaching... Epic proportions. And on the positive side, we have such enlightenment, so many people reaching into the stars, consciousness of, of, of creation, of the quantum universe, it, it's parallel worlds. It's a great divide. 
And it's a battle because the dark side wants to pull us down and we, on the light side, are trying to pull up that that side to evolve away up. And so it's clearly a battle. And I believe yeah. it's of a really biblical proportions as we see things unfold and just disharmony everywhere and, and yet people waking up, uprising. Uh, it is quite a remarkable time to be alive, even though it's scary. It's discouraging yeah. sometimes. But then there are these extraordinary wins and breakthroughs when you look around you and say, wow, it had to get pretty tough for us to get moving here. For humanity to say, enough already. And that's yeah. where we are. I, I, I look at this as, a, as an Armageddon situation versus uh, World War, because they keep telling us World War III is about to start, and we have the setup of Kuwait and, sorry, Kuwait, Russia, the Russian yeah. Ukraine, Ukraine, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I had a senior moment there, and <laughs> that this is a scenario of what World War III is going to look like, and I'm like, no, that's a delusion, an illusion, yeah. that's the old-style war. Whether or not they have more powerful weapons is, is not the point. It's the old-style territorial war. But what the real war is, is that it's a group of very, very powerful elite want to take mm-hmm. the human race to another place. And as we've been talking about tonight, that place is to remove our humanity from us and make us enslaved in a new system a synthetic robotic system. And that's the great battle. And, you know, I don't want to get biblical because I'm not a religious, particularly religious person. (laughs) I'm a In the Bible, as the revelation, the mark of the beast, which would be the chipping, and and it's all there. Incredible. So I do, there's biblical apocalyptic situation here and that that makes people very afraid but actually that is the vehicle that uh, awakens us and takes us to the higher level I, I truly believe that that humanity is yeah. rising not thinking yeah you know I'm I've kind of um, you know through doing this show and, and um, I, I've kind of gone gotten to the point where I believe that now I'm one too that chooses to look to the positive and, and, you know, yet recognizing all of the, the, the lower energy, the conflict, the, the war, the, you know, the fighting, the killing. Um, to me, it seems that the pendulum had to swing so far, you know, with the, the darker or lower energy aspect had to swing and to become so apparent to really shake humanity out of their stupor in a way and yeah. and it to, to me what it's done is it's highlighted the light and the dark i mean it's it, it kind of highlighted those who have you know destructive urges you know versus those who have constructive urges you know and um so you know i mean i i in a way, the way that I kind of, for myself, you know, um, come to terms, I guess, with that, that dark aspect is that, that it was just necessary to, um, you know, the people that get off their butts, you know, and, and start, you know, reevaluating their beliefs, you know, reevaluating what's important to them, you know, and, and, and not just thinking about it, but actually getting to the point of, doing something about it, which is, which is really critical. I mean, you can think all you want, but until, um, one does something about it, you know, you know, it, it, it's not manifested. I agree completely with what you've just said. Yeah. And so I've heard from the hearing eye council, it's only when you're up against the wall that you move into action. They've always said that. Okay. And think about it. We've been grumbling Civilization grumbles all the time about politics and the economy and grumble, grumble, but we're a pretty fat cat post 
World War II, the Western world has been pretty fat cat for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have no idea of scarcity, no idea. It's happening away, over there. So as long as it's over there, it's like, oh, the poor people. Uh, but now it had to be, in order for us to take a giant leap, a giant evolutionary leap, we had to move from being discontent to revolutionizing what is wrong with our civilization. And in order for that to happen, we have to all feel it. We have to, the wake up of, of great numbers of people has to be that everyone is feeling, not just the people in Iran and Iraq and everywhere else that's been leveled, but all of us have to feel it at our doorstep that if we do not change this world, we are going to go down. And so we yeah. have to, you know, the, the, the violence, the crime, the, the, the despair, whatever, mounting. It's like it's in your face. What's it, what's it going to take for somebody to come into your home and, and uh, commit some kind yeah. of violence on you? Whatever that is, whatever your place of arrival is emotionally, we're all getting there. And it's painful. But with comes the opportunity to take our lives back in our hands. So I agree with you completely about what you said. For the kick in the butt, as you said. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, and... and like you say, you know, I mean, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot of people. You know, and that was just, as you were talking about it, you know, that it's not going to have to be, it's not going to be, can't be 50% plus one. I mean, it's got to be more like 98%, you know, because in today's world, we can see where, you know, 5% of a particular subgroup is so loud and so disruptive and so, you know, contrary that that it affects you know a greater portion of the population and so it's kind of like you know those small loud voices even need to be changed you know to in order for you know for the the, a a real significant kind of leap forward to happen in my opinion yes and and the theme of the book is let us not lose the essence of what we are, of who we are, homo sapiens. Let us not allow that whatever these forces are that are that, are, that have thrown the human race into a, a hysterical shift um, toward the darker side, let's not let them get away with convincing us that to improve who we are, what we are, the entire civilization of homo sapiens, that they have the solution, which is to turn us into enslaved, robotic, semi-robotic, um, computerized human beings. I'm not going for it. And I, I think that this yeah. is the ultimate test. This is where humanity stands up. Yes, there will be people who will say, well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, chip me up. How cool that will be. But by and large, this is the big existential question where the human being says, nope, I am not going to allow that to happen. And in saying that and standing up to that, there's a much greater unity between us as a species. And that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, that is. That is very much so. Now, um, one of the um, topics that – was listed in, in, in your uh, press kit. We talked about the Georgia Guidestones, and I wanted to bring that up before because we only have 10 minutes left, and I wanted to bring that up because I visited there probably about, oh, maybe eight, nine years ago, maybe even a little bit more. But there were fascinating Guidestones, and, and of course, they were recently bombed. Um, can you tell, what, what, what what's your view, first of all, about this, the Guidestones and what they had, the message that they had to say, you know, as far as paring down humanity. And then this, uh, I guess, uh, act of destruction that, that brought them down, that led to them being down, coming down. Well, first of all, when I, when I wrote the book, they had not been taken down yet, which was fascinating to me that they got, they got taken down shortly thereafter. But basically, these stones just emerge in the middle of the of Georgian field, 
with somebody who said he was dedicated to the betterment of civilization, as the story goes. And they erected these huge stones, and the message predominantly, and I don't remember how many languages, I think seven, was that humanity, in order to preserve the earth, uh, humanity had to be reduced to half a million. What was it? 500,000? Or, or I, I, I yeah, don't I remember the exact number. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I that, that was... Uh, that was mm-hmm. half, half a million. Anyway, let's say in 15 million. The point being going from 8 billion down to, I'm pretty sure it's 500,000 um, people left on the planet in order to sustain the earth. And this was supposedly for the betterment of civilization or the betterment of the planet. And so the question is, who was behind that and <laughs> how did they plan to do that? Well, there is a eugenicist movement in some of these circles of people. You've had Bill Gates talk in a TED talk and say that the planet would be would have to be brought down to 15 million people and all these ridiculously reduced numbers. And the question is, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do mm-hmm. to bring the from 8 billion down to millions? And it was a very eerie thing. For me, there was never any sense that it was a benevolent thing. But the fact that it was just put there in the middle of nowhere, uh, it was a menacing type of thing for me to, to see. And so as far as who took it down, well, that's another question. Because some people say there was a beam or a ray or a, a, some kind of uh, laser beam that hit the original stone and then it fell it's not really clear, but what's very strange is the next day something somebody came in and leveled the whole structure. And those were very large granite stones. <laughs> I know. It's very mysterious how they got up, and it's very mysterious how who hit it, and then how they got them cleared out so quickly. I don't have an yeah. answer for that. All the is uh, it definitely felt like Somebody was sending a message to whoever wanted to reduce the population down to a few million was like, yeah, we don't think so. And some people yeah. want to believe that it was, like, it was a divine beam. I don't think so. I think someone uh, zapped it. And, of course, you know, there's this debate with the White House. Was it divine? Uh, yeah. Know, but that's not there anymore. That is, because it did send right. a message. The message clearly was, yeah, I don't think so. No to the your unit your your program here. Yeah. I thought it was a very interesting yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting. When when I first, you know, read about him and then made the trek, you know, to that very you know, desolate kind of, or you know, remote area kind of where where they were located. Um and when I was there only there was only one other person visiting them and I think they were from France. So we didn't, you know, he spoke very broken English, so we had a limited conversation, but it was just interesting. And then, you know, when when I heard about the, the destruction of the one aspect of it, I, I'm not sure how many, I think there were, there were several different, you know, stones. I wouldn't heard about one, and then all of a sudden they were all gone, you know, and, and it was like, in the reason being, and, um, for safety reasons, that had to be the case. I, I mean, uh, it, that one did not certainly ring true to me, you know, because, like you say, they are massive. They're massive, you know, and and um, it would take. How yeah. they got there so fast is is very strange because there were massive yeah. granite stones, and then there was the question that supposedly there was a time capsule buried below, but they found mm. nothing. So it's all very mysterious, and it feels to me very Masonic. Very, I, I just don't like the vibe of it. Uh-huh. Fact, what did it feel like you were there? Did you get any? Well, you know, well, I, I guess I got first of all because of the size. You know, there was like there was that. Um, it seemed like it had that you know majestic kind of. Um, you know, I mean, it was these these were massive stones, and then of course, once you read about what the, the messages were and the, 
you know, the reducing of the human, the global population, and, you know, it was, um, I just thought it was, uh, it was a very odd message in a very odd location, you know, presented in a very odd way, you know, I mean, it was just like, so, um, with, with all of that in mind, I just, to me, it, it just made you wonder. But then again, I wonder, I mean, you know, it makes me think that possibly that might have been the reason, you know, was to create wonder, to, to, to create questioning, you know, um, questioning about our role, what would, what really would be best for Earth, you know, for the health of Earth, you know, as well as humanity, you know, to, you know, when it comes to numbers and balance and, and biological systems of, of the people as well as uh, biological systems of the Earth, you know, I mean, it, it really, to me, it was a, a, a seed for questioning, you know, and, and, and to me, that's a good thing, you know, that, you know, there are people who wouldn't even have thought, you know, the idea of reducing the Earth's population by such a dramatic amount and what it would do. You know, I mean, it wouldn't cross someone's mind. But, you know, if, if that, that being there and, and experiencing that, if that, you know, created the seed of thought, then, you know, in, in my opinion, it's um, it was one of those that I, I think, Pulls people into, pulls them out of their everyday humdrum existence into one of, you know, what, what about the greater good, you know, and, and, you know, thinking beyond myself, which we need a whole lot of people, you know, moving to, toward. Um, so, um, but, but now that's, now it's gone. So, I mean, you know, and, and it does make you wonder, you know, what's the message of, uh, the destroyers of of it were, but um, gosh, believe it or not, Patricia, we're down to the last couple of minutes. I mean, we we barely touched on the topic in your book. You have wonderful book. It's very easy to read and um, packed full of information. So, what is it that you hope that that people will, will take away from reading um, Hacking the God Code? I hope that what people will Take away from this book is sense of their sovereignty, which I I talk a lot about in the book, and that they are the masters of their own destiny, no matter what it appears from the people that are toying with individual liberty and societal change for their control. That people will stand tall in their power, and that. Yeah. Be able to look because in the book I say look at the de- look at the demon look at the what do I call it look at the beast look it in the eye don't be afraid to look it in the eye because when you do you take it it it, it loses its power it needs your fear to thrive so my message is look the beast in the eye don't be afraid let go of the fear of it and when you look at it it starts to shrink and when that happens you you gain so much more power and knowing and strength that no matter what happens, you are a divine being, and that light wins. That's my message. Yeah. And so yeah. the fact that the, the difficult part of the this book is full of, you know, difficult information about this transhumanist agenda and about hacking the DNA, And but the message of the book is you are a divine being, you are a sovereign being, and you are a strong, beautiful soul. Yeah, yeah, very, very important. Wonderful, thank you. And and you, I mean, some of the topics also souls and shut down, um, the great disconnect. Those are some areas that I think people can probably relate to and, and be able to at least within their world be able to look and see how these things appear. So, and and I think again that gives you you really give people. Food for thought. <laughs> this is a, a buffet of food for thought for folks. <laughs> I like that. A buffet for food for thought. I'll have to quote you on that. <laughs> okay. That's good. Well, Patricia, I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Um, the hour went by really fast, and I, I enjoyed your, your book very much. So I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Robert. I hope that we get to do this again.
I hope so too as well. Um, again, everyone, today my special guest has been Patricia Corey. We've been talking about her book, new book, Hacking the God Code, The Conspiracy to Steal the Human Soul. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is www.patriciacorey.com. And that's Patricia, C-O-R-I dot com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.